0: hello everyone it is then again at the northeast georgia history center i am glenn and today i have forced marie into the studio to talk to me about historic preservation what is it now i've been involved with it some and i kind of understand it just because of the line of work i'm in but marie has taken classes and your wasn't your minor it's technically
1: a certificate okay but that's because uga does not Offer associate's degrees so it was almost more of an associate's situation. Right
0: so yeah so it's in effect for all practical purposes it's an associate's degree that goes along with your bachelor's degree. Well then it should be very easy for you to tell us what is in fact historic preservation.
1: Well you see it's easy and hard because I know so much about it. (laughs) So historic preservation is really the preservation of particularly buildings old buildings and then what classified as an old building what is worthy of preservation but also historic preservation is not just about buildings even though that's mainly the focus of it it also can be the preservation of artifacts the preservation of distinct trades or cultural practices of languages of basically all old things. Right. And and
0: landscapes too. Oh, right? and
1: landscapes. That's definitely the, one of them. Yes. That's
0: and that's see, that's one of those things that I learned much further on because mm-hmm. I, I always assumed it was, like you say, buildings, right? Something old, of course, but the the value goes up in terms of needing to preserve this historic site if it is associated with something or some person or some event.
1: We call that the ABCs because you have to to at least to qualify for to be on the list of the National Register of Historic Places you either have to be your site which can be a landscape or a building it has to have a address a concrete address a longitude and latitude on this earth that can't be moved can't be like a birdbath but if you have one of those it has to either be identified with a historic person a person of historical significance it has to be identified with event of historical significance or it has to be a fantastic example of an architectural style worthy of preservation
0: right and and sometimes you know that those rules seem like they might be easy to to find some niche in which to define something as a place that needs to be preserved for historic purposes but sometimes it's not as clear-cut
1: it is not so usually the rule of thumb on that is because something will happen and everyone gets very excited or upset or happy people have a lot of feelings after something just happened so most of the time you have to have at least 50 years before anything can be considered for historic preservation which is
0: such an American thing you know I hate, <laughs> I hate to be biased but it, it reminds me of, of, a, of a comedian making fun of a Americans so thrilled with their historic preservation is yes this building is restored the way it looked over 50 years ago and this is someone from Great Britain and they have things like you know Stonehenge and Newgrange as well as you know buildings that are only 200 years old
1: my favorite is one time they told me this is our new library while I was studying over there and it was as old as our country and it was their new one yes so that was it it made me have a better perspective of what does an old building mean
0: when I was in Rye We were walking down the street, and there was a pub there, and it was obviously very old. And on the outside was painted and sort of washed-out signs. Rebuilt in 1423. Rebuilt. So rebuilt in 1423, and it's like ah, so this is the new pub, like we say. But we're you know we're focusing on on America today, and <laughs> yes, and
1: American our, preservation and our, of our old
0: buildings. And, and simply being you know an old building, like you say, isn't enough. There have been some examples right here in Gainesville. We have a a street called Green Street, and And almost every structure on that street has been placed on the National Register because they range in age from, I want to say, the the 1870s up until about the 1930s. But they all are architecturally unique, not unique, but significant. significant. They're they're remarkable, especially for this area. And, you know, it's it's a residential area, but they're all old. And I think it's the longest run of historic uh, sites on the National Register in the United States because it's the entire, every building on Mm -hmm. Green Street from this point to this point for a good gosh quarter to a third of a mile is on the National Register so it's it's special and there was a building that was just off of Green Street that was going to have to be torn down and some of the natives got very upset well this buildings over 50 years old and it's like well they had to go in and explain and here's some issues right this building is very structurally unsound it would take literally almost a million dollars to stabilize the structure so that it would even stay up for the next 10 years and it's it's not architecturally significant. It's you know it's, it's it was just a it's ranch house. Not
1: associated house. with any person or
0: event. No, and so in effect it was it was torn down. There was a little bit of hubbub about that, but again you can't even if you thought that that building needed to be saved. The sad fact is we can't save every building. Mm-hmm. Even some of the ones that are important are architecturally significant or associated with an event or a person.
1: And sometimes people think because something is on the National Register of Historic places that it must be saved it can't be torn down it actually offers protection for that building which it does not it is just an honorary list of old buildings being on the national register offers you zero protection from being torn down from being renovated from being moved from being additioned onto and that's a thing that is very much a problem or a won't say problem Um, a
0: misapprehension
1: i i I guess so but i was also also thinking in athens where we have millage millage avenue which is kind of like our green street where you have a lot of very old large almost mansion like houses that then has been turned into sorority row which then has a lot of renovations going on on the inside and also additions because almost all sororities have an addition of a dormitory onto the back or the side now also on millage you have the additional hoop to jump through of being a historic district so people sometimes confuse national register with historic district which are very different so you can be on the national register and not be in a historic district but you can also be in a historic district and not be on the national register of historic places so a historic district in itself does actually provide protection for old buildings you can't do certain things to make it look different on the outside there are sometimes even certain paint colors that you're not allowed to use you're not allowed to change the facade in any noticeable or significant way and you also can't can't have additions that are visible from street level so f- to do that you either have to hide it all the addition all behind the house or you have to build an addition that is separate from the house that is not in any that is distinct and has usually a glass walkway so sometimes when whenever you're in old buildings and you see there's an addition and then there's this kind of like weird glass way between it that's so that you know that you're going from the actual historic part to a new addition
0: because many of these historic structures are still being lived in worked in you know like green street there's not a single red residential house on green street anymore all of those have been converted to hold offices and businesses and things like that and you said something interesting too you're talking about you know these these large in athens and on green street too they look like mansions right Mm -hmm. to us they look like mansions question folks are mansions really representative of common and day-to-day living for folks in the past hint they are not. Nope. So, but they
1: do have some of the best architectural features.
0: They do, the fancy architectural features, but how do we represent the past accurately by using mansions? They are artistically wonderful, but what about log cabins? There are log cabins that have been placed on the National Register, but as we, as we sometimes say here at the History Center, and we say it without any pejorative whatsoever, log cabins are the single wide trailers of the 19th century, right? They are, they're romantic to us today, and they hearken to a frontier spirit, but it's where the the poor and the, as as some of their contemporaries claim, the uncultured and illiterate people live. That's the where the day-to-day people lived. And they're on the National Register now because they're old and, and they're quaint to us. But I want you to, to sort of put this in perspective. Do you think, listeners out there, that some single-wide trailer off in a holler somewhere in Lumpkin County deserves to be on the National Register? It depends who lives there. It's not architecturally significant, right? But it does represent an incredibly common vernacular architecture does it not?
1: It does and there is a difference between the highbrow academic I have a Greek revival style house versus what we call vernacular architecture which doesn't necessarily have a style but it does have a building plan that is generally similar to other log cabins or what we might call the one that we have here a dog trot style cabin. Right. That would be a vernacular architectural style of cabin. Right. But,
0: you know, there's single wides and double wide trailers, too. It's true. You know, that's that's the kind of the nitpick I, I want st- to take my soapbox stand on is, you know, what are we representing when we talk about historic preservation? So many of, and we like to go into those very fancy houses and look at this architecture, right? But we have to remember that that is, that is not common. There's also a joke that friends and I have had. You know, the closer you get to now, to today, the more recent houses and architectures, and architecture isn't really considered, quote, historically important. Because to us, it's every day, right? And so how many uh, in the future, and, and with all the progress, quote unquote, and and subdivisions and things that have come out, how many ranch homes from the 70s are going to be left in 50 years as examples of vernacular architecture? Is Pro- it
1: a question? Probably question. not many.
0: The only the only 1970s houses I know that are preserved in any way, form, or fashion are Graceland, which is hardly <laughs> Typical of 1970s vernacular no. architecture, <laughs> and even though it is unique. And the Buford Pusser home in Alabama, the guy who was immortalized in the movie Walking Tall, right? And it is, it's just a basic, here's this house this guy lived in, but they saved his home place. And what other 70s houses are there? And and we laugh, but guess what, folks? This decade means that the 70s is 50 years ago. So
1: people are might start trying to save ranch houses. Right. And probably, you know, with its wood paneling and Shag carpet and all of its glory (laughs) will be a house museum one day.
0: I would hope so. I mean, I'm not being funny. I honestly hope so because that would just, again, we're recording history, right, for historic preservation.
1: I do think, though, that the historic districts have a better chance of preserving what everyday life looked like for some people versus the National Register of Historic Places because, and it's becoming more of a trend to save not just the the fine and fancy historic districts but to actually have working-class historic districts mm-hmm. to say hey this is what used to be here this is what these these houses used to be the people who worked at the factories and they might have just all had you know like shotgun style homes which is a, a type of house that is just one long divided it's like
0: a permanently built single wide trailer I mean it kind of is basically yeah before single before trailers came in
1: mm-hmm. and some of them can be extremely elaborate and fancy and probably most well known in New Orleans, Louisiana for the incredibly fancy ones but also can just be very, very plain and basic for everyday people and they were kind of like the ranch houses of the early 1900s and a lot of them have been torn down for quote-unquote progress to, or quote-unquote beautification So, but now to go back and try to preserve the ones that we have and try to make a historic district for not just the fancy houses is I think something that definitely needs to be look, looked into and is starting to become more of a trend in historic preservation.
0: And the ones I know of that are based on, like you say, the workaday vernacular architecture are usually like mill villages, mm-hmm. right? They'll make mill villages around the, the old mill into historic districts. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, though, is... It, the challenge is you make it a historic district to preserve those houses and the layouts and you can renovate the inside still a mm-hmm. little bit. Those are still pretty tiny houses. They're they not what modern Americans tend to think of as, wow, I want to live here.
1: Well, except for the tiny house trend.
0: That's true. Some people true. really
1: want to live in tiny houses.
0: My son's one of those. He thinks he's going to be able to get one of those Home Depot sheds and put it somewhere and live in the in the woods uh, and then go to his fancy job. But he's young. He'll figure that out. Uh, but no, that you're right. The tiny house trend is a thing. So and,
1: might come back and people might like those. So
0: right, I, I hope I hope so because some of them are really neat and some of them, you know, have have not because of the socioeconomic issues in those areas haven't really been renovated. You mm-hmm. go in and it's still the original, you know, 1930s and 40s tiny tiny bathroom with the black and white tile and the tub that's that looks luxurious because that's the way they made tubs <laughs> then. So if if I were to ask you, Marie, you're now in charge of of historic preservation.
1: Oh wow, uh, for the entire country. Let's
0: say, let's start small and say just the state of Georgia. Okay. Let's say just the state of Georgia. How do you balance the innate desire? Because obviously we're the History Center. We're going to have a particular perspective mm-hmm. on historic preservation. But how do you balance historic preservation with the real and legitimate needs of, you know, improving communities and building new sites and creating, redesigning communities and things like that, building new businesses, building new homes? How do you reconcile those seemingly different Perceptions.
1: So that's one of the, the great balances of historic preservation is we can't, as much as some of us would just love to slap labels and say you can't change anything over all old buildings, that's just you can't do that uh, because progress does need to happen. Community needs change. And that is why trying to create a historic district needs to be done with so much thought and so much care and also needs to be, dare I fl- say, a little bit flexible for the changing needs of the community while you still try to keep in well the the spirit of the community intact. And I think the way that you do that is, well, first of all, you take extreme, extreme care in even trying to create a historic district. Of course, putting anything on the National Register, go for it. That literally is just an honorary title. It gives you a little bit more prestige for your old building. It's an eight-inch
0: bronze plaque. It
1: really is. That's all that there is to the National Register. I see National Register cannot confine any type of needs of community growth because... It, it doesn't. It does not confine anyone to anything. It just is a nice little prestigious plaque with a little bit of recognition and there might be a little bit more community outcry if something were to happen to it. For historic districts, those need to be made with so much care and thought before that actually happens because it does put a lot of constraints on the community. And the thing about those once they are in place it's not like things can't happen it's not like things can't be improved and that is why you have your your commission you have your city meeting you have a a city board that is your board of historic preservation and usually they're volunteers from the community who hopefully have some type of background in history community (laughs) planning historic preservation and then they can make decisions for the community i had to attend several of those as part of getting my degree um they, they made us go there and, and sit through those city meetings, which
0: hour after hour, which were
1: incredibly tedious. But I see the value of understanding how the real world works because we can sit there and read books about how pretty old houses can be restored all day. But once you get into the pe- workings of, of people, that's where your degree is going to really come into play. And there were there's one case that I remember there was this family who wanted to build this very new modern home on this piece of land that was, technically in a historic district but the piece of the the lot had been subdivided and now they had this new this new lot really that had come from an old house and they wanted to build a new house on it and they wanted their house to look very very modern they liked the modern glass clean-cut look that did not fit with the rest of the neighborhood so what do you do there uh, what ended up happening is that they got permission to build their house and I think that would probably is the best way to do that because otherwise what are they supposed to do with this property that they bought that ended up being in a historic district that I guess they didn't know when they bought it <laughs>
0: but
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure exactly on the details of that super side
0: note folks if you're gonna buy a new home or some property do your research
1: yes check to see we're not it's...
0: legal counsel and you can't take us to the to the court but do your research.
1: Make sure if if you buy into a historic district, just just check. Just do some googling right, and yeah. uh, see if that's a thing because you will probably get frustrated when you try to renovate your home or want a new front door or anything like that. But I think the board is really the thing, that committee really, I guess it's perhaps more of a committee, is going to be what is going to be the balance of the pendulum of preserving everything and allowing new things to come in because it really is on a case-by-case basis once you have created something like a historic district.
0: Right, and and you're right. I think that balance is super important to, to maintain because for example, Green Street, right? Those houses are, as I said, they're not, they're not residential anymore. Mm-hmm. They have been significantly renovated on the inside. You know, there haven't been major structural changes, but mm-hmm. walls have been put up, they've been painted, the windows have been changed and things like that. But that flexibility in use with a structure means that structure survives, right? Mm-hmm. It means that structure goes on to have a useful life within the community. It's still the structure that it was when it was built, and it's also different and it meets the needs, as you say of, this, that are important, of a changing community and that community's needs.
1: And also, why preserve something if it can't be useful to the community? Here, here. All right. So that is our take on historic preservation today. I'm <laughs> sure we could go on for a whole lot longer. Is, but... Libba, is
0: Libba telling us that it, time is up? Yeah, oh, she is. she keeps
1: is. giving us a good thumbs up. Okay.
0: Well, <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, there's lots more to this. You know, a simple Google of historic preservation is going to take you down a rabbit hole that will, that will take you all night to emerge from lots of great books so we hope you've enjoyed this podcast we hope you do a little more research on it and until next time stay safe take care and we will see you at the history center bye
2: then again is a production of the Cottrell digital studio at the northeast georgia history center be sure to subscribe and leave us a review it really helps other people discover the show we also hope you'll join us for our free weekly live stream programs on facebook live and youtube live every week at 2 p.m eastern Just search for the Northeast Georgia History Center and we'll pop right up. There are a few great ways to support the History Center. Make a donation online by clicking the donate button on our website at www.negahc.org. Become a digital member to receive exclusive invites to members only live streams every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And you can register on our membership page at www.negahc.org. We also have an online gift shop with lots of great items for all ages. Use promo code THEN AGAIN for 15% off your online order. Valid on anything except memberships and handmade items. We'll see you next week for another episode of THEN AGAIN. Thanks, y'all.